the Koi Gig Pod. I wouldn't even look at them. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even prepare to play against them because you do know what you don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> we could beat them six nil, or we could lose six nil. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Wednesday night rugby on Off the Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. And now then, so we're at the stage of the Six Nations Championship where rounds four and five uh, swing into view and go by very quickly. So it's the home straight, Ireland at Murrayfield on Sunday, Saturday. Such an interesting lineup of games. Wales in Rome and then France at Twickenham. So round four is looking very tasty indeed. Fiona Hayes, Grand Slam winner, is with us. Hello. Hello, Joe. How are you keeping? Great. Rory O'Connor, the Irish Independent here in studio. Hello, Rory. Good evening. So uh, Scotland, Ireland, three o'clock on Sunday. Uh, Ireland chasing the Grand Slam. Scotland, first triple crown, whatever about their championship ambitions. First triple crown since 1990. Yeah. Not extraordinary and not shocking, but bloody hell, it's a long time. Yeah, it speaks to, I suppose, what, three decades of underachievement in Scottish rugby. And my my first trip to Murrayfield was as a 12-year-old in 1995. And I went on a bus full of Scottish fans um, of a similar age with family friends I obviously was taking on this, the, the club bus up with all the young lads on their team bus and I mean we got I remember Jonathan Bell scoring a try but other than that Ireland getting absolutely hockeyed as was routine by Scotland back then and, and they were just better than Ireland in every department for for most of rugby history and now for two decades it's it's it must be so unpalatable to them to be on the bad side of this rivalry Um to be you know, routinely beaten on, but by this by this Irish team and and find themselves so far off the pace and to, to not have success. I mean, they've become more relevant in recent years, but there was a good chunk of the last two decades where they they really weren't. They were a little bit above Italy, you know, vulnerable to being beaten by them. So it's kind of good to have them at the table, um, to some degree, and to be fighting for it and to kind of to go to Murrayfield and actually have a little bit of fear about going over there not that it's ever been easy but I think this is a fixture that stands on its own merits this weekend I mean the fact that it's on the Sunday belies its importance to the weekend I think it kind of completes a set off and the Sunday game is in Rome and it's an afterthought but this is this is going to be good Yeah it sure is So Fiona this Scottish team generally being talked about as the best of the Six Nations era how good are they? Yeah, they're they're a joy to watch. I think Joe at the minute. I'm really enjoying watching them. I know they obviously had that la- last over in France, but just I suppose what we know what type of magic Finn Russell can bring. But when he brings that magic, he really is unbelievable. I mean, he's got the most carries so far in the tournament. I think he's up around 45, six offloads. He's assisted in four tries, so he's he's just a, a really good player on his day. And I think that's where Ireland would need to target. But other than that, a kind of attacking style. Rugby. I, I'm very, very impressed with the pack, their cohesion. Um, you know, Richie Gray, 17, like he's he's 17 lineups, he's involved in a lot of stuff. He's getting his hands on the ball, the front rows. Uh, Fagerson is another player who's really impressed me. Um, all all in all, I'm really, really I've said it last week as well, Joe, but George Turner, I mean, he's just so good. Um, he's I, I suppose I think he's at a hundred percent or ninety, ninety-seven percent, maybe he's lost one line out in the whole competition in the three games so far so they just have really good players all around the park but what's impressing me is the, their cohesion together we've talked about their inconsistency in the past it seems to be clicking when Finn Russell is is kicking and clicking everything is going well mm. 
Uh, their centre partnership has been talked about as as good as anything as well. They produced in a very long time. Uh, Stuart Hogg seems to have responded very well to losing the captaincy. Van der Merwe, I think, has won everybody over now. Um, post lines in particular. Uh, the thought of him running at Mack Hansen is an interesting one. So, again, everybody's in agreement. They're in a very good place. We'll, yeah. we'll find out Sunday perhaps how good. Yeah, they're still not as good as Ireland. I mean, they're they're very good. They're, it's it's the first against the fifth in the world, and I think they're on an upward trajectory. But I do think they. I don't think they're at the same level that Ireland, France, at their best. Maybe not France right now, but obviously France were able to see them off in Paris. Um, like they have very very good players, but but I don't know how many of them will get into this Irish team at the same time. So, you know, at the risk of being part of the arrogant Irish media that we, has been widely discussed this week, I think Ireland, if they get everything right on Saturday, will still mm. have enough for them. But that's not to say they're they're not a clear and present danger to Ireland's Grand Slam and World Cup ambitions. They're a really dangerous opponent, and that's what makes it, it very very interesting. Um, they have a lovely style and but it needs to be on the back of go forward ball. And I think that's where Ireland, we asked Andy Farrell in the, after the, the Italy game about Finn Russell and he said, well, yeah, Andy Farrell is not prone to talking at length about opposition players in the way his predecessor is. He, he, he largely focuses on his own team and he said, yeah, everyone's good when they get quick ball, we just have to stop it. And that's, I think, been the template for Ireland over the last decade against Scotland. They've only lost twice since 2013 to the Scots. Um, and they largely try and beat them up, and I think that's going to be the way they're going to go better. And it's getting harder to do because they've they've gone, they've been very strategic in the way they've gone out and broadened their 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 brace of players. They brought in players from South Africa, from from Australia. They brought in loads of English players with Scottish heritage. They've been very, um, if you've gone to Ireland and brought in Ben Healy and potentially could go get John Cooney. They've got a former Wallaby, a former England international in their squad. They have been really, really um, strategic in how they try and broaden their the base of players. But they're still only operating off two teams, both of whom are. You know, middling URC teams can, and would routinely be beaten by the provinces. So while I think there's a lot to build up there, I think we can build them up too much in the advance of a game. And I think Ireland will go as number one team in the world and will ex- still expect to beat them at the same time. Uh, that answer Farrell gives on Russell, it's uh, very succinct. Mm. Is your sense that he's hoovering up every stat and every piece of detail? and distilling it into a simple message or do you think he's not paying so much attention to the, the, the endless stream of information he could and it's just going instinct is the wrong word because it's far more informed than instinct but just going off his own eye I, 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 would, I wouldn't diminish his rugby knowledge or his appetite for, for information I think he I don't, but I don't think he puts as much faith in the stats as some other coaches do I think he's more of a feel he, he trusts his feel a lot more I think it was Stuart Arthur. Um, I don't know. Was, I don't know if you listened to the BBC podcast about him on Monday, which I thought was very interesting. No. But they had Chris Ashton and Stuart Lancaster on talking about him. Ashton was a young player coming through at, at at Wigan when he was a senior player, and then he also played for him at Saracens. Or he, I think he convinced them to come to Saracens before leaving. And Lancaster also spoke a lot about him. And, and it, what came across is just his, his his rugby knowledge, his intellect, and his feel. Having been a professional from sixteen and a top level. Um, player straight into coaching his, his his understanding of the game his feel for the game like I think he respects statistics without being a slave to the, to the statistics and I think he has certainly put far more of a focus in his public dis- discussions um, into bigging up his own team rather than expending a lot of energy and airtime on another team so 
in the build up to the France game he was asked about France and he just gave a one line answer and it was like you know basically asked me about Ireland you know he doesn't whereas Joe was the opposite Joe didn't want to talk about his own team he would happily list off every French player he could in a perfect French accent and that was his one way of co- talking down the clock but also of trying to de- deflect from the strengths of his own team so they've just got different styles and different approaches mm. um, and he also I think he he's a good um there's a word that I'm, I've completely forgotten, but he trusts his assistants. Um, delegator, he's a good delegator. He, I think his assistants are, are are on the details. His team leaders are on the details. They are very well prepared. They're very accurate. They're very aware of their opponent's strengths and weakness. They do an awful lot of time on their analysis. So I, I think you can talk down his kind of reliance on statistics and, and sound like he's not as detailed a coach as others but I think the way they, they couldn't be as good as they are without being so well prepared. So it's a different style but it, 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 I think it, it's, it, it, it comes off very well with this group of Irish players who probably were very used to the micro detail of Joe Schmidt um, in in the past. So it's it, it's working at the moment. Obviously, you know these things all have, you know, can stop working at some stage, and they might come a cropper this week. But yeah, he um, he'll give respect to the opposition. He'll prepare for the opposition, but he certainly doesn't want to go out there and give the and give them as more airtime than he feels they deserve. Mm. Fiona Murrayfield is going to be hopping for obvious reasons a big game for for Scotland triple crown on the line and and even potentially if it goes very well they can be in the conversation for the championship uh, come round five and it's the world number one team coming to ten as well so it's going to be an amazing occasion atmosphere will be electric you would think Scotland will bring huge physicality Uh, beyond that where will they go after Ireland where would you anticipate they'll try and uh, stymie the Irish attack and, and, and what will they do in attack um, I think it's the same old thing that teams are trying to do to Leinster, Joe. I mean, Ireland are three point, I think it's 3.1 seconds ruck speed. Um, we know what Ireland are like with quick ball. I think Scotland are very similar. So I do think that they will go after that ruck and, and try and slow it down. Um, they'll probably look at last week, Joe, as well and and have a look. Now, I, I would imagine Ireland have had two weeks to, to fix up those kind of defensive issues in the first half, um, uh, especially missed tackles. I think Scotland are are, are the highest uh, tackle success in the tournament. So they have got their, they seem to have got their line integrity and their connections, right? So they'll be looking at really going after Ireland, I would imagine, out wide with their big ball carriers. Um, so it's a, it's an area to, to, to counteract Ireland. I think they'll be trying to slow down that rook. But I think Ireland are very, or, or Scotland are very similar to, to Ireland, the coaching setup in Townsend. I think they will be also concentrating on their own game, Joe. Um, they'll obviously try and do that around that rock area they'll be looking at some of the trick plays Ireland have done the back inside so they'll be trying to keep that internal defence connected but it's definitely Scotland themselves I think will be going to out to attack those wide challenges and I think Mac Hansen in particular may be low and I suppose if you look at scrum time um, they'll be going after probably the front row as well because I think their their scrum unit has been very solid um, Porter is someone they'll be trying to wind up I'd imagine I think he's on seven penalties so far in the tournament so they'll have little areas but I think they'll be focusing on their own game but definitely attacking outside in those wide channels Okay the team Rory from an Irish point of view is a lot of the big names are back Yep that's so it seems so the the word from the IRFU today the official word was that there was 37 players um, trained and um, 
had a flick through the photos apparently the vision access was very short today uh, Robbie Henshaw wasn't photographed at training and, and I believe wasn't there at the start now whether he came in and trained afterwards I'm not sure and I believe Gary Ringrose was due to talk to the media and then was pulled um, at some stage during the morning so whether that suggests anything certainly my antenna is up a little bit around those two um, and that would frame the entire well, they are probably conversation yeah, yeah. If we knew that those they were out, we yeah. would have be having a very different conversation, uh, particularly around what Fiona's talking about. Because I think what we saw in Rome was that Italy spot Bundiaki at thirteen and say that's a weak point, and they would never do that when Bundiaki's at twelve. But you know, I think McCluskey, that combination of Byrne, McCluskey, Bundiaki is just too slow to play together at international rugby. They're all fine individually, but you put them together as a unit and you try and attack them on the outside with the great lines of running that Italy put through you're going to cause problems and I think Italy sorry Scotland would ha- would, would execute those opportunities better than Italy did and, and come away with more than like they only created one try which is amazing because their second try was off of the, the intercept which you know f- that whole game in my mind I was like you know Italy are attacking brilliantly here and then it came away and Ireland beat them five tries to two which is you know still a little bit baffling to me and I think Scotland wouldn't be as profligate so um certainly they want one of the two of them I think they'd ideally love to have Ringrose back because he's Henshaw's coming in I know he's played come in cold before and hit the ground running brilliantly and apparently he ran, he ran in the I had to leave the open session on Thursday but the I, I believe from the lads who stayed and watched he was on top of the ground he looked really good so did Furlong Sexton was, was heavily involved he'll captain the team he's definitely coming back I'd imagine Gibson Park will start I'd imagine Ty Furlong will start um, I'd imagine that Peter O'Mahony will rotate back into the team for Jack Conan he'll go back onto the bench and you'll see Doris at 8 but the big question is that midfield combo and what they do there so if Henshaw and Ringrose are fit do you play the both of them do you keep McCluskey do you put Bundyaki to 12 you know, there's a lot of options. You know, and if they're both out, do you go Jimmy O'Brien? Who's you know that, that's a massive test for him away from home against what you've already referenced as a very strong Scottish centre partnership, and they'd certainly test him out. Although he's a very good defender at club level, so um, a lot. If if they're both injured, I'd say there's there's a lot of stress in the camp at the moment. Although they, you know, that's not the way this camp has operated publicly. At least Andy Farrell be welcoming the adversity and yeah. you know bring it on. But that's um, it. Will be a it would be a big loss if, if it came to pass. Mm. If uh, Fiona, Ringrose and Henshaw played, with the exception of Tygburn, that's uh, pretty much Ireland's first choice 15. I don't know when we've seen Ireland's first choice 15. New Zealand. Is, is it New Zealand? Mm. Yeah. It's the last time, yeah. Yeah, and obviously you'd be looking at uh, Furlong going straight in there as well. So yeah, it's it's essentially we'll see exactly you know you'll you'll see exactly how are the connections because we know how good New Zealand are. Um, Ireland have been excellent with with the injuries that we we've had, but it'd be nice to to get a look because we know we've Scotland in the World Cup group. If we can see what's our strongest team going forward out against them and really see if we can put it up to Scotland, I I agree with Rory and I I, I think Ireland are are, go, are too good at the minute. Um, but that's obviously if everyone is firing and everyone comes out playing and when you're away to Murrayfield you know in 2017 I think it was the 27-22 scoreline um, it obviously didn't go their way but I, I do believe they will be confident it's it's the last five Six Nations games they've won against Scotland so they will be confident but it's just this Scottish team are just improving and improving with every game mm. uh, Joey Carby must be scratching his head a touch now I'm sure he's had conversations which means he knows exactly what's going on but uh, out then in for the Italian week now out again and Kieran Foley in well Sexton's fit and, and that was the big thing Sexton was kept in the squad but he wasn't ever going to play against Italy so they wanted it, and, and I think he was doing his own thing at training so they wanted a third out half um, in 
for whatever re- reason and maybe just to get Carberry back in and just say to him look you're still part of our plans in the wider picture but um, Frawley being in maybe suggests that they're a little bit more worried about the centre picture as well um, also a um, bit of talk today about Australia being sniffing around um, Frawley that, that there's a bit of interest because he is he was born there and he's Australian qualified so Still maybe they count. need to show him the love and he, like he was ahead of Jack Rowley um, coming into November it was only that injury that allowed all the yeah, and Ross Byrne so he was you know he, he would have a cap by now if it wasn't for his injuries but, but you know by all accounts Carberry trained well when he was in he's, he's played well for Munster in recent times and, and has done very little wrong in terms of what was asked of him since being dropped Um and I, I, I do wonder whether Crowley with two minutes under his belt in his whole Six Nations can get to the World Cup with that little experience and whether they'd be better off just going with Joey Carberry, Ross Byrne and, and Johnny Sexton the three experienced guys um, but that's not what they've done for this window maybe they feel like that Carberry just wouldn't benefit from being the third man whereas Crowley would benefit because he spent so much time in camp but it certainly isn't the great message for his World Cup prospects again to be cut at, at this stage And um, but I do think they, they like a lot of what Frawley brings and he, he does cover a couple of positions as well so he's he's, he's a very good player he's very versatile um, but he's, yeah he's only come back in and he's straight into the squad as a, you know, as a kind of a fourth out half stash utility Yeah what, what's your read on that situation Fiona? Yeah, I think it's versatility, definitely. Um, but in talking to people, I think he done well up in camp. Obviously, you know, it's it, the, the markers have been laid down to him and he knows what he's got to do going forward. If there is even anything he can do, I suppose people have, have jumped and Burn has jumped over him. But I, I do think Frawley offers that versatility. And if there's a few niggles in the centre, we know he can play centre. Obviously, there he can fit in full back as well. So I, I would imagine that Carberry's been told all that and that he's in there just to cover all those regions because we know Johnny Sexton is fully fit and burn as well. Fiona, is Scotland away a tougher game than England in Dublin? I 100% think so. Um, I think uh, England, in watching how they're played, um, they play the same style of rugby. They're trying to slightly improve, but it's the same thing under Bortwick that we've seen. I haven't seen huge differences. Still those big ball carriers into traffic, one-off runners, where Scotland are offering much more, you know, uh, in play. I think Finn Russell is kicking, has kicked 49 um, kicks in play. You just don't know what type of, where they're going. They have, they have options all over the park similar to what Ireland are playing um, they're they're consistently tight they're, they're going wide Van de Merva you spoke about you Jones I just think they have players in form whereas when I look at England I know they're coming to Dublin and they'll definitely be up for that Paddy's weekend but I just don't think they have the same sort of players in form and they don't look as cohesive as Scotland to me Yes because for much of the championship we'll, we'll come on to England in more depth but for much of the championship uh, certainly Murrayfield was circled but also the point was made England will be good come round five I've always had England as the as the, the one that I think could trip Ireland up personally I, I think they'll have enough on, on, on Thursday and, and even if they win I think I, look, Scotland away is a really difficult fixture and, and Ireland even they've had one or two blowouts over there but very few it's it's never been a, a, an easy place to go and there's very few classics over there either like there's not that many times you, I don't know, I've had to go back and look at the, the result and go oh yeah that's what happened when we were over there you know because they don't stand out as the great Six Nations games that I've no. been to necessarily the 2015 one when they Ireland just blitzed them and, and won the championship that day that was that was the one really um, I have just have this 
feeling about England and maybe it's, it's more it's more of a feeling than anything else but I mean how many times have, be, have they been denied grand slams by Celtic by their Celtic neighbours over the years and how much pleasure would they take with no pressure to come over like if Ireland do beat um, Scotland this weekend we, like they've never won a well sorry not, not 1948 I think they won it in Ravenhill but they've never won a grand slam in the modern era on home soil no, never the hype that. next week England coming to town um Paddy's weekend, all the things that go with it. I know they've they've overcome so many different things, but this is another big challenge, isn't it? Like this is a great World Cup warm up in some ways. I know it's its own thing and it deserves to be treated as its own thing, but even two games in six days of this stakes is incredible preparation. Um but they'll want to win it. And what Sexton's Sexton's last game um in the Six Nations as well, potentially sorry, probably, I mean if he gets through this weekend. Um there's so much going on for these players to have to go out and perform then and beat an English team who could be going for a championship who will have very little pressure on their shoulders who feel like they're growing a little bit they're going to go with Marcus Smith over on Farrell this weekend by all reports today that, to me that's a very dangerous game um, and almost more dangerous than what Scotland have to offer because you could, Scotland Scotland's a semi-final almost and, and, and you just need to get over the line against them I think next week is going to bring very different pressures you're going to be at home in your bed all week you're going to be meeting people around the place on your day off it's going to there'll be tickets people looking for tickets all the stuff that goes into it it's almost it's like a cup final and uh, you know the, the couple of these players have pretty bad experiences with finals the last couple of years as well so it's going to bring a lot of the different challenges to them but I'm really excited to see what this Irish team can do in this environment of trying to get this semi-final final thing across the line um, so yeah I wouldn't write off that England game as a challenge ju- just yet and I, I, there's a lot of conditions there that could previous Irish teams might have not been able to get over the line we remains to be seen if this Ireland team who have won a series in New Zealand but have never uh, haven't got money you know an actual tangible trophy just just yet you know yeah so interesting uh, we'll take a short break Fiona Hayes Roy O'Connor staying with us Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us you're very welcome back. Fiona Hayes is still with us. Rory O'Connor is still here in studio. We'll turn to England-France, which is the Saturday 4.45 kickoff. England uh, of huge interest, uh, not least around the number 10 situation. So last week, a fallow week, and it was a three-day training week for England. And the big news was that George Ford was called in from the cold and Marcus Smith was turfed out and uh, reduced to playing for Harlequins. So we thought, well... That's that. Not least because Smith hasn't lit it up and Ford has been mentioned by numerous people as being uh, likely to come back into the fold. Uh, Smith was man of the match for Harlequins against Exeter. Ford, by all accounts, did train very well. And so uh, it came as something of a surprise that the uh, the switch happened. So Smith is back in. Ford goes back to sale. And you just mentioned before the ad break, Rory, that the word seems to be Smith is not just back into the squad, but in at number 10. Yeah, well, the word went round in the the kind of in the, the the well-informed members of the English press on Friday that there was kind of, or maybe it was earlier than that, that, that if Smith played well against uh, for Harlequins at the weekend, that it, he would be in the team. That it wasn't that he was being axed; he was he was being sent off to get eighty minutes under his belt or a good chunk of minutes under his belt to have him ready to play because he'd missed. He hadn't. He only played two minutes against Wales, I think, and and um, and that was. It was quite surprising, but you know the people who are reporting it are the ones that I would go to to know for what's going on in English rugby, and then the same people are reporting today that he's going to start. So, um, like it's a it's a massive call from Portsmouth. He's dropping his captain potentially. You know if if that's if if it if he follows through with it tomorrow, um, you know Farrell sets the 
the tone in terms of England's preparation and in terms of their messaging he's they like he's a commanding figure much like his father is within the group and for him to be put on the bench is just a, a huge statement from Steve Borthwick and and he kind of made, needs to make a decision now which one of them he's going to go with because the World Cup he's only got one more competitive game after this before the World Cup and you know, like I know the Six Nations is, is its own thing but Bordwick's in such a narrow runway to it he um, like that's the thing with England and Wales they're just like scratching around looking for ideas and, and it's so tight for them whereas Scotland, Ireland, France are so far down the road and knowing about what they have it's it's really fascinating but yeah no, that, that's, the, that's the word that's coming out and it's, it's it's a big surprise to me I don't understand why you would release him if he's going to be playing surely three days of England training preparing for this France team specifically will be the certainly that's what every other team does it's what Eddie Jones would have done it's what Lancaster would have done you know if you were released the previous weekend you just weren't involved and it's a bit the same Ireland you know Ireland kept 26 players in last week and you could kind of get a sense of who the team is going to be from that who was released and who wasn't Yeah, um, it's very different but then nothing to say the different isn't good you know that, that he wouldn't be, have been kind of um, relieved and given a bit of a release by going and playing with the Harlequins at Twickenham in front of a big crowd and, and winning and being back in the kind of the comfort of playing alongside Danny Kerr in that team that he seems to, to thrive so much yeah. in so it's a different approach but it's it's interesting it's 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 very courageous by Borthwick as well Very different approach Fiona I mean Eddie Jones would crave every minute possible he could get with his frontline players in training he would bemoan what Irish coaches had by comparison the, the amount of time Irish players would have together so this is your number 10 and who didn't start the last game who you're thinking of starting in the next game that you're saying well you stay out of these three days training and this is an English side who are trying to build something in, in attack it's not like mm. they know Borthwick's methods in, inside out so very unconventional from the outside yeah, it's, it is strange that uh, obviously that he was released, but, uh, you know, Rory, obviously no more. Would that mean that uh, Farrell definitely wouldn't be playing 12 in the game or is there a potential of that? Or The reports that I've read are that it'll be um, Ollie Lawrence marching outside him and that Farrell will be on the bench. But um, like obviously there's scope for them to be wrong and, and it's still early in the week. Like it, things do change in training sessions. You know, mm-hmm. like there's training tomorrow before the team is named and you just don't don't necessarily know. It's always a bit worrying when you go with the team. So it's, uh, but that, that's, that, that seems to be the word. Yeah, and look, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Marcus Smith. I always have been... Um, I thought, you know, it was very harsh for him to be let go in the first place, having not played a lot of rugby with England. Um, so maybe, Joe, you know, you could be looking at something in that in that Welsh game as well, that Farrell maybe was asked to try a couple of things and he might have done that. So maybe Portwick um, is looking at it, OK, I want to get fresh people in there. You know, you have a World Cup to look at. Um, obviously, it's a huge game, the Six Nations, and they do want to win every game. But France at home against a physical pack would be perfect for Marcus Smith to get in and get a bit of creativity going as well. Yes, mm. it's uh, there's a sense with Bordwick how much creativity is he looking for has been a question. Your read on this would be he doesn't know what his best 10 is at the moment, Rory. I mean, that would be the the suggestion when he's chopping and changing mid six nations and he's bringing George Ford back and you know he's obviously worked closely with Ford at Leicester and, and there's a trust there. Ford's only just back from injury. Um, so, I like, think a so, lot of so, things so, so different in style to Smith you know this is the thing yeah. like you're, you're well Ford can play it both ways I mean Ford is a creative force and, and like Farrell is creative in his own way as well within a system yeah. Smith is very different and it's 
you know I mean Eddie Jones tried to what did he say he wanted to be like, I mean Eddie Jones said so much so many things made so many commitments to how he wanted his team to play but you know he wanted to re basically re-revolutionise how it, uh, rugby teams attacked and, and Smith was the fulcrum of that and we never got to see what whether it was ever going to get there I don't know but he, we never got to see what, what his picture was it sounded very uh, exciting it's, it, I mean yeah it, it was, he said they were going to be the greatest team in history before that so I mean he kind of kept changing his message but you know Smith obviously has incredible potential and he's 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 an incredibly exciting player um, at club level he's he's phenomenal and I think there's a school of thought out there particularly amongst the players who've played at test level that he's not a test yes. calibre 10 and your test calibre 10 must be a very serious player you know a, a kind of a I mean, and Finn Russell would fly in the face of that a little bit although mm-hmm. Finn Russell can do a lot of the, the kind of the, the technical stuff very very well obviously takes risks that others don't Sexton being the archetypal you know can, can do everything and, and is a brilliant defender as well Smith is fascinating because he breaks that mould to such a degree and he'd probably be closer aligned to say Richie Mwanga over in New Zealand or, or something like that he, you know he plays the game in, in a much more it seems like off the cuff way he brings pace he challenges the line maybe Joey Carberry would be the closest Irish example I'm not sure um, I, I, I think if you're going to go with him you just got to go with him you can't pick him this week and then bring Farrell in next week what's the value there you've just sacrificed 80 minutes that you could have got into on Farrell you know, and you've possibly knocked his goal or maybe you're challenging him maybe it's just that his goal kicking hasn't been good enough he's only at 40 yeah. was he 42% for this yeah. window and, and maybe he just goes well maybe training last week he's still got the yips and whatever work he's doing with Johnny Wilkinson isn't working and he's going look I can't have a goal kicker who's going to miss mm. against France I need to kick my goal so maybe it's as simple as that but it's like he's up tomorrow Bortwick will explain his decision although he doesn't give an awful lot away in his media dealings but it's um, it's almost like they're stuck in the kind of um, Ollie Campbell Tony Ward dilemma of Ireland of the 70s or even the O'Gara Sexton thing and um, and you can see the value in having it just to define having I know everyone's stressed here about what happens if Sexton's not there but there's great comfort in having him oh yeah and it's great for him sure. in Scotland that Finn Russell is their 10 and even France I know um, um, Jalabert's picked up an injury this week but a lot of people in France want Jalabert to play but yeah. Galtier's just like no Entomac, Entomac, Entomac I'm always going to pick Entomac Garbisi at Italy there's great comfort in having a 10 and even New Zealand have chopped between Bowden Barrett and Mwanga and it's really cost them I think over the years because they don't really know where they are with either of them because they're both different players. And it's the fulcrum of your attack or your team in so many ways. So Fiona, in that respect, it's difficult-ish to know what to expect from England. Where are France after iffy performance against Italy, which we put down to a rustiness of a sort, beaten by Ireland, and then after going 19-0 up against Scotland, almost, you could say, outplayed for the bulk of the subsequent 60 minutes. Yeah, definitely. And I think France are actually under a lot of pressure um, with the fans, I'd imagine, going into this game. If they were to get a loss, be it away from home um, over in Twickenham, I think it, it would be huge for them going into that World Cup year. Um, so I, I, I do feel like they're under pressure. We've seen glimpses of brilliance at times. We know exciting, how exciting the, the back three have been, um, you know, and... It's it's strange even watching the game the other day, and um, I was very shocked to see Aldrich coming off, being taken off when when that red card was put on. So it's 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 almost like the trusted players, um, the coach. Uh, 
isn't really putting it all. I know Olivon is a, is a good player and a really good seven and you'd keep them on, but I, I just found it strange that he was taken off. I would be of the same kind of thinking that Jalabert would be more consistent at 10. I, I feel like Intimac isn't playing the best rugby of his life. I said it before, I know what he can offer. He's he's outstanding, but he, he doesn't seem to be hitting form. So I do think France are under a little, more, little bit more pressure, and uh, I, but I do feel like they will get the win. I, I think they're, they're far more physical in England um, you know we, we've seen England at glimpses as well I mean you know they have a, an exciting back row Jack Willis is really good I, I'm not too impressed with Don Brandt at 8 at times so I, I still think England are trying to figure out who their start in 15 are especially in a couple of areas so I think France will get the win over there but I do feel like they're under an awful lot of pressure and England aren't as much Yeah and people Fiona a lot of people made the point that France are missing uh, Dante badly at centre Mo Fan is not doing it for them but that may well be true it's still just one player it doesn't explain this wider situation with the French team they're just um, 2023 versions not matching up to 22 version no and and it's a lot has got to do with the pack Joe even gain line getting over that gain line I haven't seen it um, the scrums obviously they've kind of lessened a lot of their scrums in the game they're they're getting good advantage out of knock-ons and I think it's sometimes gone to their detriment because they're not going back to that scrum and we know how powerful that was that was winning them penalties they don't seem to be um, getting those same penalties in the scrum area and, and as I said the forwards aren't making that gain line now maybe other teams have just read them they've had a lot of videos to look at and and seeing how they attack and and where they attack, especially in internally in that pack and and you know that's that's what teams do. They look at you and you have to change things up. But I definitely don't see France as the same powerful force they were, especially in the pack last year. No, to the uh, to the, uh, the, the like to the conclusion, Roy, that some people have reached, which is that oh well, maybe there's a degree of periodization going on here, and Galtier is training them incredibly hard. Uh, with a view to the World Cup, uh, something Eddie Jones was accused of doing to his detriment. Now, whether that's happening or not, the fact that that's been reached for as some kind of explanation does show that it's just not fizzling the way it used to. And I, th- I did think it was unlikely they were going to back up a Grand Slam. So I, I, I did think there was going to be some sort of a dip this season, and we've seen that dip. It's just how damaging the dip can get. And if you get hammered at Twickenham, if things go badly wrong at Twickenham, then you get into that Ireland 19 situation where the players lose their belief. Um, Which we would like to see, I presume. <sighs> or will there be a backlash to the drop? A backlash to the um, Would I like to see it? No, like I want to see all the teams come to the World Cup in good form. And, and I want to see Ireland beat them when they're at their best. That I, you know, I, 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 France at home, a World Cup... You, know, we don't you really are playing the arrogant Irish card well. I mean, <laughs> Like, we don't want to win a World Cup and not have you know everyone at their best. Well, I was in England when they got knocked out in the, the pool stages, and well, that was hilarious. Uh, it did take away from the tournament once it got past yeah. the, the, the pool. So I think France being good at their own World Cup is is and I, like if Ireland don't win it, I'd like to see them win it. Um, I obviously don't want Ireland to be knocked out in the quarter final by them or in a, or or meet them along the way. But I, like I, I do have a, a bit of a thing for French rugby, and I do want them to be good. I, yeah. I think life is more interesting when they're good, um, so and I don't think it's fatal. I think there's a lot about like Aldridge's really interesting. How much of that is just how big a year he had last year? Like the Toulouse players last year were not as good as they had been the previous year. Like they ran out of road after the Grand Slam, really yeah. having won the, the double. You know, these players are achieving stuff on both fronts. That does eventually take a toll. I think the Lions takes a huge toll on the British and Irish players, and it takes a while to get back physically and mentally from that. Jack Conan maybe is a good example of that. Even Furlong is, and I think. I don't know whether they're able to periodise periodize their training really when they're all club players and they're so um, 
overused really they play too much rugby though a lot of those French players but we're going to see them get a break in the summer yeah. um, they're, they're, there's no summer tour I know the top 14 goes on longer than everything else but they'll get a break they'll come back in they'll get a good pre-season under the belt I'm not that concerned I think they'll even having New Zealand in your first game focuses the minds in a, in a huge way I always thought that like you can't be brilliant all the time maybe that's the, the worry with Ireland is that Ireland have been at the top for they dipped in November a little bit without losing the games but they've been at the top for, for a good while now that you know the, there will be a fall at some stage it's just hope it's not either this week maybe, maybe it's better to have it this week come back at the World Cup as disappointing as that would be for a lot of people but you don't want to have it when the World Cup comes around either mm. so we'll see how that goes that's the 4.45 game Saturday the 2.15 game on Saturday is in Rome it's Wales against Italy Italy going for two in a row against Wales no Ange Capuazzo is the disappointing news uh, from uh, Italy the Welsh come not happy um it's not surprising, I suppose, but as the dust settles on the extraordinary situation a couple of weeks ago, players in that fallow week and agents and, and various parties are talking to journalists. And so I saw Gareth Rees-Owen of the B- talking to the BBC and he was saying within the squad that week, there was a 60-40 split between the Welsh team about whether threatening strike action was the right thing to do or not. So it was a very divided camp and he was saying it is not a happy camp which is not shocking, but it's not a happy camp. It's not like the players are, are unified against the world here. There was a split in there, according to Welsh journalists. Uh, Toby Falatau had interesting comments this week. He was yes. talking about you know, his return from Bath to Cardiff and he was saying, well, I never saw any of this coming. He said, it's hard to put your best foot forward and to give it your all under these circumstances. So I don't know. This is such an interesting game, Fiona. I, we're making Italy favourites, are we? I think so. Capuazzo, we know what he can bring. He'll be an absolutely huge loss to them. But I think them getting Garbisi back as well and and getting the game time under his belt against Ireland will, will be huge for them as well. The, this this Welsh team, um, you know, they weren't they weren't too bad against England. Um, they they started well. Obviously, at times they were they were physical enough. But I think Joe, that just it's constantly seems when you're getting media stuff and you're hearing about fella Tau saying, uh, you know, lines like that about going out and a game and how much you can give in that game you'd ne- you'd rarely hear players especially in such a physical game make those remarks so I, I definitely think that there's stuff going on behind the scenes we know obviously the money issues but if it's not a happy camp it's very 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 hard to get up for these big games and Italy are playing some great rugby at times they can tighten up a few areas but they will have learned a lot from Ireland so I definitely think they are going to be favourites going into this I, f- I find Gatlin's role in all this fascinating I mean, he's still doing a column for the Telegraph, yes. in which he's talking about all these issues. Yes. He's he hasn't taken a pay cut, to my knowledge. Um, he's on a whopper salary. He kind of backed the union over the players in as much as he like. He tried not to, but did you know? And tried to, you know. He's like, I want to get, to, I want the game to go ahead. His great skill has always been getting these Welsh players into the Vale of Glamorgan and turning them into a club side that's unified and that whatever is going on in your region doesn't affect you. I don't know if he can do that right now. I don't know whether he's he has the buy-in. Even I saw someone point out that one of the players said they keep wanting this to run into brick walls, but they can't do it while we're treating this this way. And if you go back, if you search brick walls and the Telegraph or whatever, Gatlin has always been. We need him to go through brick walls for us. It's one of the big messages mm-hmm. that he's had. It's almost like they're using his language against him. You know, because he did, and it, it is very striking. He's continuing with the Telegraph column and when things are going well that's fine mm. but when your telegraph column that you've been paid money for 
is about well my horrible the hardest week, for week of my rugby. Life. Yeah. It was the hardest week of my career. Yes. And, and like within it he's talking it was very telling. He had a line he had heard second hand that certain players felt he was not on their side mm. and he wanted to put that right. But there's also a degree of airing that dirty laundry for mm. your column. And you know, again, when it's all going well, no problem. It's Gatlin using the column to throw uh, grenades in at other teams but uh, I don't well, know it's very unusual for an ex- you know exist in, in the modern era for an existing coach in the tournament to have a, a newspaper column um, Joe Schmidt never came close did he? he had a column in the Indo <laughs> once about Super Rugby when he was Leinster coach and he also reviewed books for the Herald did he? which is worth going back into the archives do you yeah. know what books he looked at? I don't not off the top of my head no I, 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 uh, no non-sporting novels like, yeah, novels oh. yeah, yeah so um, yeah no he was a literary review critic Joe Schmidt for a reviewing Fifty Shades of Grey is <laughs> <laughs> I need to read. Um, so yeah, that's a divergence. But no, never as Ireland coach, he didn't. Um, he didn't. He never went for a ghosted column. But I, look, he was obviously doing. He was doing this before he took the job, and I, the contract must have been watertight. But I, I find it very strange that he's continued to do it, particularly given everything. Fine if you're right. Fine if he's winning, and he's able to say, you know, this is where we're going to beat Ireland. And he did. He kind of like I, I used some of his stuff that he had in the Ireland week in my preview because it was he basically said this is where we can beat up Ireland you know like this is, and I don't know if Ireland throws stuff up in the dressing room wall but it's the kind of stuff that I, in fairness Scotland always was, was, was capable of putting you know putting stuff out there like that but I just think it's an interesting choice like none of the players are doing columns I presume they're not allowed mm-hmm. um, you know that kind of thing has gone out in the last decade or so and it's just doesn't speak to me of great leadership really um, particularly in a crisis that he's, he's yeah. continued to do it um, and like there, you know it would be tempting to imagine that on that Wednesday afternoon when agreement was reached that all was fixed uh, you know subsequent to that we're seeing Alan Quinlan on AM on Monday mentioned a player you might remember his name escapes me top of my head but uh, was in action over the weekend picked up an Achilles injury is out of contract end of the summer has been offered I think, you know, in the region of 30 grand a year, having been almost 150, 200 territory. And he is understandably distraught at the situation. Mm. But I would presume, well... This is Halaholo. Yes. Centre. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's played for... Mm. Like, he's a Wales yeah. international so, as well. So there's a degree there of, you've done your Achilles. Are you going to turn down guaranteed money or are you going to... Having turned down... On your own. And having turned down good offers to stay in Wales on the yeah. presumption a contract was coming so, earlier. So any sense that, oh, we, we reached a resolution. No. This thing is still all over yeah. the place. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's grim, and it's like if Falatau's saying it, you have to believe him that like they they are not thinking about performance. Yeah, you know, hard to give it your all is the most unbelievable pre-match statement. And you're up against yes. an Italian team that if if nothing else, they give it their all. They are incredibly physical. I think that's one of the things that's lost about Italy. They're big, big men who throw themselves out there and are and are incredibly committed. They're, they don't always get it right. But at home in Rome, having lost their other two home games, having played well, like they're just going to, they're going to be so up for this. The Italians, it's, yeah. it's. Uh, I mean, the red flags are nothing to do with Wales. The red flags are just, just there. You can see the alarm bells ringing and how badly this can go wrong. But at the same time, how do Italy handle the expectation that comes with being the favourites? Mm. You know, how do they handle all that? And, and can they get the same scores without Capozzo? Well, we we have literally never even ventured near Italy being favourites for a Six Nations <laughs> game like this, so it is a new thing. I don't already actually favourites. Yeah, I, I would suspect they're not still somehow mm. just residual. Mm. Wales will muster something is probably lingering for for most people. Uh, Gatland, in terms of his team selection, Fiona, he's chopped and changed. You know, he put the 
experienced forwards out in particular against Ireland on day one and then a, a whole host of changes for Scotland uh, it was a lot of young players up front the mm-hmm. experience was in the back line and then he did the reverse against England so he had the experience back in the pack and then the youngsters in the back line Dan Bigger on the bench and so on it's hard to know what he goes for in Rome yeah, it's hard to know what he puts out there. And even looking at that um, as a player now, maybe he had words at him, but even looking after that Irish game um, and and dropping the guys and a lot of talk being about how, how this ageing Welsh team, it was almost like they were punished for the loss. You know, if you're a player on that Filatau, etc., Tipperick, and you're, and you're dropped and some drop from the squad altogether, it doesn't do it doesn't do great shapes for them and, and, and how they feel about their coach. So it's it's very hard. And even with bigger, um, you know, not starting last week as well and, and coming on, obviously he made a huge thing. Like Dan Bigger has been playing excellent rugby. So it, I don't even understand and, you know, his reasons behind things. I know there was there was a lot of speak about the contract and he was heavily involved in that contract talk and the strike action and all that. So maybe it was something got to do with that. But you just don't know where he's going with, with his squad. I would imagine he'd probably try and, and mix it up and have a mix of youth and 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 whatever. And, you know, uh, with oh, I won't say old age because that's what I am myself and I'm not playing so. But look, I think the biggest thing is you're a coach and, as well as that and you're looking as someone like Fella Tau um, making that statement and putting it out there in the media saying he's he, how he's finding it hard to give it all do you want him on your squad going into this big game for Wales and Italy and you know people have seen these lines so it, it, I, you're you're asking yourself have they had internal meetings is there discussion is there discussions around what they're allowed say to media about this but it probably isn't happening so look it, it, it would seem to me that maybe he might have punished a couple of players brought him back in but but I don't know that so it, you just don't know what type of team he's going to pick for Italy No I'd heard some talk of that as well that uh, certain players the selection was being affected by what was going on behind the scenes um, so it all remains to be seen uh, the Bookies do have Wales two-point favourites. Now, I know, and understandably, lots of people don't uh, particularly want gambling odds thrown into these conversations, <laughs> but it's it, it's such an interesting game that gives us uh, a sense they don't, of things. They don't pluck that out either. They, 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 you know, that they're generally fairly close to... I mean, that's, I'd say that's the closest Italy have ever been yes. in terms of spread. That's mm. the way to, to any tier, yeah. tier, you know, any other tier one team. They've never been so um, fancied. And the first, they've beaten Australia and Wales in the last year. And yeah. Um, ran Ireland and France close. Like they, they deserve to be considered, to be taken seriously. Um, I certainly thought they were a very good team when I watched them live a couple of weeks ago. You know, I don't think I think there's a a tendency or a kind of a, a, a you know you can lean towards criticising Ireland, but I thought Italy created a lot of Ireland's problems on that day, and they were clever about how they did it. And I liked how Kieran Crowley was so downbeat afterwards and was like, "No, we don't want moral victories. This is not what we're about. We want. I'm not happy with how we played today. We I think he'll be downbeat even when they win." He does have a bit of that. He is a Kiwi after all. Yeah, he has that kind of he, like he's a Kiwi farmer. He does have that kind of streak. But I no, I think I I I think no, he, I, I think he was realistic. I think he was like no, and he, he won't accept it. Um, whether they can get there or not, like I think they could cause France and New Zealand problems in the summer if they keep going the way they're going, or, or in the autumn. You know, they're in a they're in a horrible pool. Um, yeah, but they could. I don't know if they'll beat either of them, but they'll, they'll they could take a bit of um, could give them a bit of pain. It's looking that way. That all sets up a brilliant round four. Give me, uh, in three words, your three winners. Fiona? Um, Ireland, France and Italy. I'll go England. The other two the same. Both Italy? Mm. Okay. Very good. Looking forward to it. We'll chat First. next week. Fiona Hayes, 
Grand Slam winner with us, Roy O'Connor of the Irish Independent. Thank you for popping into the studio. Yes. Cheers. Our rugby coverage and off the ball is with thanks to Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team bus. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us